This is the third season of the Daughters Without Moms podcast. So far, there have been 96 episodes published. If you signed up to share your story on the podcast, please check your inbox as a sign-up email was sent out over a week ago. To kick off season three, I wanted to share an update to my journey. I hope you enjoy it. And if you are enjoying listening to the podcast and hearing the stories that are shared, can you please leave a rating and review? I'd really appreciate it. Now, let's jump into season three. Hi, everyone. This is Beth, and I had a pretty significant uh, update to my grief journey recently. And so since we are doing this uh, journey together, I wanted to share with you the things that have happened with me over the past few months. So it started back in September. I was actually on a trip to Colorado with some friends and I received a call from a man who was my mom's cousin. His name's Al and I didn't really remember Al, um, but his mom and my mom's mom were sisters and um, he had found me through finding my dad's obituary and finding a phone number for my stepmom in Las Vegas and reaching out to her and getting my number from her. And it so happens that Al lives in my grandparents' house. Now, my grandparents are the people that threw my sister and I out of their house while our mom was dying. If you haven't heard that story, you might want to go back and listen to um, my story about me and my mom and my grandparents, um, but Al now lives in that house. My uncle Timmy left that house to uh, Al when he passed away, and Al actually found a couple of boxes of my mom's things. And I was just floored, first of all, by this phone call, and then that he had things, pictures, notes, journals, things of my mom's that I had never considered were, were around. Um, and the other thing that while I was talking to Al in September, he said something to me to the effect of, you know, I'm really sorry for what you and your sister went through. And I immediately started bawling because here was somebody, I was finally feeling affirmation from people who actually knew my grandparents too. Like I, it was a horrible situation. If you listen to the story, like you can't even believe that people would treat other humans this way, much less their grandkids. Um, but just having that a- affirmation from somebody from the family meant so much to me. I think after so many years too, you start to maybe make make things seem that they weren't as bad as they actually were, or maybe I did have more of a part in creating that scenario uh, than I did, but I really didn't. I was a 13 year old kid and they were adults. They took a lot of all of the ownership for that situation. So I came home from this trip and said to my husband, okay, when are we going to Maine? Because I really, really wanted to go see this stuff that Al had found of my mom's. And it ended up working out for us to be able to go at Thanksgiving. Um, So my husband and I, just the two of us went to Maine for Thanksgiving Um, I lived in Maine as a child. That's where my mom is buried. And that is where my grandparents' house is located, which is now, excuse me, Al's house. So 
Al invited my husband and I over for lunch the day after Thanksgiving. And we showed up and Al was there with his wife and also his sister, Kathy, who was also my mom's cousin. So I got a bonus of two for the price of one. I didn't know Kathy would be there, but she was there and uh, walked in and of course immediately burst into tears. First of all, to be honest, I just never thought I would step foot in that house again, ever, ever, ever. Um, and second of all, just because of already the kindness that Al had shown to me, but just, you know, it's been, it'll be 40 years this year that my mom passed away and to find just a connection to her so many years later was just so um, great and overwhelming. Um, and so we proceeded to stay there for about six hours talking and sharing stories. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I learned a lot of things about my grandparents that, you know, it wasn't just us that they did this, that they um, chose to treat this way. Apparently they had cut several people out of their lives over the years. And so um, that, 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 you know, was that misery loves company made me feel a little better too, that it wasn't just Amy and I, that, that my grandparents had done that too, that it, it kind of was part of their, the way that they chose to deal with things when I think things didn't fit into the picture of how they wanted things to appear. Uh, so looked through the boxes, there's notes, there's pictures, there's, um, journals, a couple of journals on my mom's, a lot of journals on my grandparents, a lot of letters from my grandparents too, um, a lot which affirm my memories of how rotten they were to my sister and I. But there was one funny story that I wanted to share with you. I was, um, Al never really knew my father, so <clears throat> we were talking about the kind of person my dad was. And I said, you know, my parents uh, separated when I was eight. And my dad let, had my mom keep an American Express card that he got the bills for. She had it, you know, in case there was an emergency with one of our, with one of us, my sister or I, but she was also allowed to use it once a month to go out to dinner. And I distinctly remember going out to dinner with mom and Amy, a lot of times to a little Chinese restaurant that we liked in Illinois. And we would have dinner and she would sign the bill and we would all say, thanks, dad. Thanks for dinner. And as I was probably about a half an hour after I told the story, I was going through the box and lo and behold, there was my mom's American Express card. So I haven't fully gone through all the boxes yet, but there's a lot of information in there that over the next few months here in the winter, my plan is to try to, to go through those boxes. Al, Vicki, and Kathy, thank you for opening up your home and your hearts and welcoming me in. So that is the family portion of this uh, podcast. The next part is friends. So the Bridges family is the family that took us in when my grandparents threw us out of their house in 1983 when mom was dying. We'd lived in Maine for five years. We left in 1978. So we had been gone for five years um, when mom was sick and when the grandparents told us that we could either go to the hospital twice a day and watch our mom die or we could get out of the house 
we called the bridges and immediately they came and picked us up. No questions asked. Um, and we stayed with them for the remaining time until mom passed. And uh, so this family has just like, especially since I've become an adult and a mom myself, I've reached out to them several times to just share my gratitude for these people who were not family. They were friends, but they have always treated me like family. And so I obviously wanted to see them if we were going to Maine. So I called and said, hey, we're coming up. I know it's a holiday weekend. I don't know if you would be around. And literally within 20 minutes, the mom of the family, Dodie, said to me, why don't you enjoy, why don't you join us for Thanksgiving dinner? So I said something to my husband. We weren't, we were actually going to drive up on Thanksgiving day. <clears throat> and he said, sure, let's do it. So, um, I haven't seen the the bridges in 20 years. The last time we were in Maine was in 2002 when my dad took us back and we finally found mom's grave for the first time. So here had been, maybe it was 2003, I forget. Anyways, um, 20 years since I had seen uh, the Bridges family again and they invite us for Thanksgiving dinner. And we get there and there's probably 25 people there they have five kids of their own their kids have kids those kids have kids so they have grandchildren and great-grandchildren and it was just um one of those times where you walk back in and you are immediately taken right back in as family they extended their hospitality to my husband we spent every day over at the bridges home um linwood was one of the very few people that I could say was one of my dad's friends. My dad was just a very quiet person. And actually, when my husband and I were in the car driving to Maine, I said, you know, I, Linwood was probably one of the three friends that I can remember actually say was a friend of my dad's. And Brian asked me to name them. And I said Linwood, obviously, and I came up with one other name. And then I couldn't come up with a third. So Linwood might have been one of the two friends that my dad really had in his life. Um, but seeing him, you know, obviously made me miss my dad um, and just brought back memories of, I was only in Maine for five years growing up as a kid, but it's just one of those small town feels where uh, we had a lot of great memories and did a lot of great things. So Got to reminisce about those years. Um, actually, you know, having adult conversations with people that knew, you know, my parents then is interesting too, to get to hear different perspectives um, of their, you know, perceptions of my parents and <clears throat> what happened with my mom and her parents. And um, it was just such a great time to be with the Bridges family over Thanksgiving. So special shout out to Dodie, Linwood, Luann, Bobby, Lisa, Todd, Rhonda, and all of their kids and grandkids for, again, welcoming us into their home with open arms and uh, just making, making me feel like family. Um, so the, the friends that turn into family are ones that I am super, super grateful for. And the Bridges family is one of those families. So the last uh, part of my podcast is about face plants. And if you follow me on, I don't think I posted about it on Facebook, but on Instagram, you will know that I fell on the ice the day after Christmas. 
ironically made it through an hour of ice skating with no incident and was walking back to the car after dinner, stepped off the curb onto a sheet of ice and face planted my head into the pavement. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, we began by going to the emergency room. We were down in Philadelphia, but that was busy as it was the day after Christmas. So by that time, the bleeding had stopped. And so we decided to come home to our local emergency room here. And after four hours of waiting, received some treatment um, and everything was okay. You know, my CT scan came back okay. I did have a mild concussion, but they were able to put some glue on my forehead. There it is. And um, for the most part was, you know, I was okay. Uh, I would, I would heal. And uh, when we were leaving in the car, and now this is 5 a.m. after we've been up all night, I was saying something to my husband about how great the nurse was and how much I really appreciated her. And I started getting emotional. And he said, why are you always like that with nurses? You did that every time you had children. I haven't been in the hospital a lot, but he said, you always like connect to these nurses like that. What do you think that is? And I said, I think it's just that I crave that type of maternal care. You know, when you have a nurse who is one of those caregiver types that really um, makes you feel like she cares about you. Like I realize how much I crave that and am really, really thankful for that. And, you know, you're susceptible when you're in a position like that because I was injured and I was hurt and I was tired and I was, you know, just really appreciative of the care that the nurse shared with me. So um, once the shock wore off and reality set in that I was going to look like Frankenstein for New Year's and my head hurt pretty bad, I felt pretty sad. I really wanted my mom. I really wanted my dad. I really wanted my sister. And my husband noticed and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, you know, I just feel alone. I have great, a great family of my own. I have my in-laws are great. Um, my family, my kids are great. So caring. I have a great friendships in this area and support, but there's just something when you're injured and you're hurt and you're not feeling great, that you just want your mom or your dad or your sister. So that face plant really threw me for a loop. I also realized that this year I will become an age that neither my mom nor my sister reached. I'll turn 53 in March and um, my mom died at 38 and my sister at 52. And that's pretty sobering to realize that I'll be the only family, the only female in our family to reach that age. And also this year, I'm gonna reach 40 years without my mom. I remember when it was, you know, she was gone as as many years as she was here. I remember when she was gone for 38 years, which is how many years she lived. And now I'm at 40 years. And that is just uh, a little overwhelming to me and hard to grasp sometimes. So the face plant portion of this podcast is that grief can just hit you like a face plant, even after 40 years even after I've lived most of my life without my mom, it can still just hit you after all this time. And it doesn't go away, I'm sorry to tell you. Um, you don't ever get over grief, 
but I'm continuing to learn how to grow with it. So between my family, friends, and face plant title, there's a few lessons that I want to share with you that I learned because we're on this journey together and it's all about just sharing it. And, um, you know, I've learned how to own my story. I don't let my story hold any sort of shame or um, regret power over me anymore. I understand that the story is part of, is part of who I am. Um, and I've gotten to the point where I am open to talk about it. And I want to share a couple of lessons that I learned through these uh, three things, the family, friends, and face plant. First of all, you will never know when an opportunity may arise for you to grow in your grief journey. That opportunity came for me when I received that call from Al and then got to spend time with family on my mom's side of the family, which I haven't done in almost 40 years. And then to be back in that place, that home where until mom got sick, I'd had a lot of good memories in that home, but uh, the last memory with my grandparents there being thrown out of that house while my mom was dying was pretty horrific. So just keep your eyes and your heart open to the things that may have an impact on your grief journey because you, you never know when that might arise or when it might happen out of the clear blue. My second lesson that I want to share with you is to share why people are important we were sitting at that Thanksgiving dinner with these grandkids and great grandkids. And I, I felt like some of them were probably looking at me like, who is this woman and why is she here? And so I really only shared it with the people that were at our, were our, at our end of the table, because as I said, there was a lot of people there. And I said, you know, do you know why your grandparents are important to me? And she said, no. And so I told her the story about our mom being sick and dying and what happened with my grandparents and that they took us in and took care of us. A 13 year old and 16 year old, just friends, not family, just friends. And people who had only lived on that island for five years and had been gone now for five, five years too. So at that time. And so I think it's just important to share share with others why they are important in your life and um, give them thanks. I don't know if those grandkids would have ever known that story about their grandparents, but I thought it was important for them to know. My third lesson is just don't expect to get over your grief. I'm sorry, but I don't think you, at least I haven't, I haven't ever gotten over it. But I have learned how to acknowledge my realities and to, like I said, acknowledge my story. And one of the things that I do have control over is my response. I can choose to decide how I'm going to respond to the circumstances uh, that occur and things that happen and whether or not I'm going to continue to give it control over my life or if I'm going to name it and accept it as reality and then choose how I'm going to respond and how I'm going to behave. That literally is the only thing we have control over is our own response in those situations. And it takes a lot of time. I've been doing this for a long time and I certainly don't always get it right, but I do try to be very intentional about choosing how I respond to the situations of grief and loss. 
And my final lesson for you is let's stay connected. I mean, like I said, I hadn't seen these people in 20 years. I could have gone to Maine and not seen them at all. Obviously, I wouldn't have done that because they were such an important part of my journey. But there is something about being connected and spending time with others that is so life-giving. And over these past couple of years, we've moved away from that in a lot of areas. And I think that that has a showing to have a detrimental effect on us as human beings, as people. So stay connected. Find your tribe. If you are here and uh, you are a part of the Daughters Without Moms group, or you're a son without a mom, or you're a husband without a wife, like find find your people and your connection and stay open to the opportunity of new connections and things that just may impact your journey that you are not even expecting. So thanks for listening. I'm looking forward to season three of the podcast and hearing your stories. If you signed up to share in the podcast and the email did go out and uh, with a sign up link to sign up to share your story on the podcast. So thank you so much for being here today and we'll see you again next week. Take care. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.